we just welcome you this morning. Is anybody ready to have a good day? Is, is anybody ready to receive today? Is there anybody uh, that's ready to minister to the Lord today? Amen. Me too. Glory to God. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, if you would, put up the verse, uh, Proverbs 14, 28. It says, in a multitude is the king's glory, and in a dearth or a lack is a prince's ruin. So in a multitude is a king's glory. We said this several weeks ago. I want to freshly remind you about it. This is not, uh, it's not my church, although Nicole and I uh, started it on the word from the Lord. This is not my church. Uh, this is the Lord's church. This, this church belongs to Christ, right? And, uh, but what he has done, and, and it's not necessarily your church uh, in that way, it belongs to Christ. But what he has done is tasked us with a responsibility to build the kingdom of God. And so when we see this verse, we can't sit back on this verse and not apply faith to it, right? We have to say, Lord, if it's a glory of a king in a multitude, how can I, how can we sit back and not put faith that we've all been given the measure of faith to bring in a multitude into your kingdom? Now, we're not just focused on boomerang. We're focused on the church in general. Uh, We want people to be filling up every placement that God has for them, everywhere they go, everywhere they are, that wherever God wants them to be, we want them placed in that body. If it's here, fine. But we can't sit here and not put faith on this after seeing this verse. Because we have a king, and our job is to make sure that he is glorified. Amen? And in a multitude is a king's glory, right? And so what we want to do is say, Lord, how do we fill up this place? Well, the first thing we do is we start believing God. And so our first, our first little step that we're taking in this is we're saying, and this is not just on Pastor Nicole and I, this is on everybody who God has placed in this church. And that is to say, the first thing, we have, we have more than 100 people that's around and working and doing all kinds of stuff, but we want 100 adults in the sanctuary every Sunday morning. So we're believing. Lord, and I want you to just pray this with me. Just say, Father, we stretch our faith out for 100 adults in the sanctuary every Sunday morning. So be it, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I don't want you just to forget that faith that you just released. You should be thinking about that all throughout the week. Lord, we're believing for you to have a multitude for your glory. Amen. And so if you walk away and and you never think about that again, then is that taking up your responsibility to build the kingdom according to this verse and where you've been planted? No. We want to be responsible with our faith. You notice that Jesus held people accountable to be responsible with their faith. He didn't just say, okay, here's some faith, and if you never use it, it's okay. No, it wasn't okay. He got on to them. He corrected them many times, right? We want to be responsible with our faith. So let's believe God for a multitude. And it's not just in this body. And what do you think is going to happen when we have 100 adults? We're going to believe for 150, and then we're going to believe for 200, and then we're going to believe for 300, right? We're believing God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. Amen? 
The kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. If you don't believe it, go to Luke 2.52. It says, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, and watch this, and favor with God and man. It's a kingdom of increase. In, the, in Acts, when, when the devil didn't have a counterpunch for the church yet, what happened to the church? It kept increasing. Daily, the disciples grew. Daily, it increased. It increased. When you see the will of God done properly, there is constant increase. It's a curse to not believe to be fruitful. Remember, there was only fruitfulness in the garden before the curse came through sin. It's a curse to not be fruitful. See, we've adopted that and we've adapted to a cursed world. But what we need to do is renew our mind and adopt and adapt to the kingdom of God's rules and laws and not just our experience of what we've seen. Amen? The kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. Amen? Now, that of course doesn't just go to numbers of people that are sitting in the sanctuary. That goes into you, your health, your finances, all of that. We want to be ready at all times to believe and go forward. Amen? Glory to God. All right, the next thing I want you to... I want to just tell you a quick testimony. We had our second round of Christmas at the drive-in last night. Amen. We had, we had uh, I think it was 136 cars uh, with, you know, who knows how many people were in each car. We had a number of people that watched the video, prayed the prayer, and then sent in. They went to the link. They had to take several steps to do this. Sent, sent in the link and told us they had prayed and they wanted some support in, in that way. So that was awesome. It was really, really awesome. And then, uh, and then one of the things it, uh, at the beginning, before the movie even started, uh, a lady walked up and I was standing under there and I was welcoming people and they were figuring out, oh, you're the pastor that's you know, helping host this. Uh, and uh, this lady says, hey, are you going to pray for the people? I said, well, we have a video where we pray for everybody for them to be blessed. She said, I mean, individually, if people have needs or anything, I said, I'll be happy to. She said, my sister's coming up, and uh, she's actually been diagnosed with you know, a, a bad stage of cancer. And uh, will you pray for us? I said, as soon as the movie's over, you come back here and we'll pray. Now, I want to give you something. I want, I want you to see this. That's not the time. She's expecting me to pray and release the anointing of God to bring healing into that lady's body in front of the movie theater, right? In front of, in front of the concession stands, right? And, and, you know, I've been at family Christmas gatherings all day. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you go to family Christmas gatherings, um, everything just goes great. No, that's not true. Um, there's... Uh, there, <laughs> And let me just say, that, that's not the moment that I'll wait. Well, just wait during the movie. Let me fast during the movie. No, you better be prayed up now. You better be ready to go to release that anointing all the time. I didn't have time to go and fast and pray for three or four days at that moment, right? I didn't have, oh, well, I, you know, I had a bad thought. Let me get clean real quick. You know, let me get holy, right? No, we're supposed to be carrying this all the time. Not just pastors, every believer. 
ready at the drop of a dime. They're ready to release the anointing of God everywhere they go, in every place, in every, in every way. They are filled to the overflow, and they are overflowing and ready to overflow. How many people believe that that's your calling? Well, Mark chapter 16 says that. He said, those that believe, will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll cast out devils. Those that believe, that means we're supposed to be walking in an overflow all the time. That's not just for me. That's for all of us. It's an increase. And you're growing in it. Amen? But I, that was just a report of something that happened. They came up there. The power of God was flowing. I could, I could sense the anointing flowing into her. It was awesome. Uh, but then multiple people were so pleased and so we have our last week of that will be this week. We're, we're, it's a double header. We're watching Charlie Brown Christmas and uh, Polar Express. Yeah, and they'll have hot chocolate uh, so you can get up and dance the hot chocolate dance when they get to Polar Express. And it's just, it was a way for us to serve the community. and It's just really awesome. Uh, they, we have over, it's over 200 registrations so far uh, that we have for that. So that's awesome. That was last night. And uh, they grow, they, at the last minute, uh, we had like, we had over 50 registrations come in yesterday for the movie last night. And uh, so they're growing, growing, growing. And uh, if you would like to sow into that, you're welcome to do that. Uh, if somebody, if the Lord puts it on your heart, just write on the offering today. Uh, just put it sowing into the drive-in or sowing into the movies. And uh, you're welcome to sow into that. But one of the things... What's great, too, is that whole event, we rented the drive-in for three weeks, and we advertised. I asked people, where did you hear about this event? Almost everybody said Facebook. Well, that's where we put it out there. We spent several hundred dollars to let people know. But, of course, every person that's coming in and tuning their radio at the end of the countdown right before the movie starts, uh, we're praying over them and tell them the good news of Christ. We're telling them the reason for the season. That's what three people responded to last night. They watched it, went to the link, filled out the form, and, and basically said, I prayed the prayer and I won't help. That's, it's awesome. It's just awesome. So, and uh, what we want to do is sow the seeds of love into the community. That's the whole point. So we rented it for three weeks and did the Facebook. It's like $2,000 for all the stuff that we did. And uh, it isn't that awesome because a lot of times it costs a lot more to do other things. But uh, it's just awesome. And then this, so that'll be Saturday night. Friday night, is there, is there anybody here that's ready to go see a hockey game? Yeah, amen. We're going to go see the Charlotte Checkers on Friday. Uh, and uh, just get ready. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the tickets are like $25 a piece. You're welcome, you're welcome to do that. We want everybody that wants to go to go. We're taking like 82 people. Uh, we got 82 seats uh, saved for us, which is awesome. And uh, it's just going to be fun. You know, like we said, we're going to a fight and a hockey game is going to break out. So anyway, that's, that's hockey if you, if you don't know. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever been to a hockey game where they didn't fight. You know, that, maybe that's a fun, funny place for a church to go. But, well, you know, uh, yeah, stress relief. Amen. Yeah, glory to God. Good, good call. All right, so, but we'll have a good time. We, we enjoy, uh, hockey's a fun sport to watch. It's constant action. So, amen. If you'd like to sow into that to help send some people, uh, you're welcome to do that. Just mark it on the offering as well. So, what? Huh? 
Serena has a Reese cup. Sydney, so did it. Well, you're like passing blame. It's like, it's sitting beside you, you're like, it's Serena's. And she's like, Sydney gave it to me. Oh, it smells amazing. Now everybody wants a Reese cup. Love family. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to give you this before we jump in today. Uh, there's, I said this a few weeks ago as well. Sometimes there's a moment when the anointing hits you, and it's like, I've, have you ever noticed that I'm, I'm going to do a teaching at some point called altars? And you see multiple reasons why throughout the Bible they made an altar and they set up an altar. And it was, one, a place to sow into God and to seal something and to remember something. And so what you do is you see that when God moves, when he moves, one of the things that you see is you'll see a response come out of people that says, I want to seal this, I want to honor God, I recognize what you've done, right? And sometimes in the middle of the service, you know, a lot of times we get in such a place, we get in such a place where we just try to regulate everything, you know? Uh, one of the things that you'll see is, doesn't God want order in the church? Yep, he, he says he wants order in the church. But the question is, whose order are we talking about, right? Because it can be man's order or it can be God's order. And a lot of times, God's order doesn't look like our order, you know? God's order, you can, you, a couple of examples to look at is Acts chapter 2 when he pours out the Holy Ghost. It's so confusing, people don't know what is going on and mockers immediately come in. And yet we know because of the context it was exactly God's order. It was precisely God's order. Because the devil didn't even know what was happening. That had never happened before. The Holy Ghost had never been poured out on men like that before. And it happens and people are instantly, there's mockers. One thing that tells me is in, no matter what you have, you, every move of God carries with it a people that will probably mock it. Even the most pure move of God carries with it mockers, Right? Well, that's good to know because it can help you out when you feel like you're being peculiar because the Bible says that believers will be peculiar. But uh, one of the things when you see in the Old Testament, you'll see that when the Holy Ghost fell, when the Shekinah glory of God came in, all the priests were knocked out. They were all laid out and they couldn't even do their uh, responsibilities. They were laid out on the floor. People would say, well, that's out of order. No, it was perfectly in God's order. God's the one who knocked them out. That was the Lord, right? And so what you see is the order of God many times goes outside the boundaries of our logical order, and that's a good thing. Many times when he goes outside the boundaries of our order, we have to stop and go, man, do I put faith on that? Should I put faith on that? Right? And so this, this happens quite often where God's outside of our ways. Uh, in this church, Pentecostal church, we pray in tongues. We pray for people. They fall out. You know, sometimes they're laid out all over the floor like cordwood. And sometimes I preach around them, you know. And, and uh, every, you have people that aren't used to that. Anytime you see the fire of God it, or 
if you see the fire of God or the coldness of the devil, it brings you to a decision point, which is why I said I'd rather you be hot or cold uh, instead of lukewarm. Lukewarm doesn't bring anybody to a decision point. And if you look at the American church, they're all lukewarm for the most part. There's no decisions, no real decisions being made. But you get a church on fire, you get a church on fire, and all of a sudden you have to make a decision on what you believe. Right? So, you know, many people, they'll come into ministries and you know, we've had it so many times. People come up, they've never been in before. The power of God hits them. I mean, not too long ago, I, I prayed over a, a brand new guy that came to church, and his eyes got big as saucers. He was like, what in the world? And he was like, he laid back on the ground, sitting down. He didn't know what was going on. The power of God was just hitting him. I was like, the Lord's real. He's real. It's, it's, not a, it's not a joke. And they were like, I've never, we've heard this many times, I've never felt that. It brings people to a decision point. If God's that real, then I need to make a decision. Unfortunately, because the church has not brought people to a real decision point over the years, they're used to running back to a comfortable flesh place instead of diving in into the deeps with God, right? Diving in with God is always the greatest and the best, but it will challenge your flesh. All of that to say, we regulate services in such a way that there's always an order. This this church, we kind of have an order, but sort of not. And we start at 10. Amen. When do you finish? When the Holy Spirit says we're done. Like, it's rare, but every, maybe once in 14 years, we've been done in an hour. Maybe. I don't even know if that happened. But it's rare. It's rare. We, we're seeking, we're not here to minister to ourselves. We're here to minister to God. You, you see what I mean? We're here to minister to Him. And so one of the things that you see is sometimes in that order you have certain things. Okay, we're going to get up. We're going to welcome everybody. We're going to sing five songs. Then the pastors are going to welcome. And then we're going to do the offering. And then, you know, and then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. And people just, they follow the steps. And that's ordered in our fleshly logical mind. But sometimes God wants to mix it up. Sometimes he, he actually will give you an anointing to build an altar to honor God and seal what he just did by revelation right in the middle of the message. I'm saying all of that to say my order is the flow of the Holy Ghost. Our order here, our culture, is the flow of the Holy Ghost. If you want to shout, shout. If you want to yell, if you get out of line, we'll, we'll calm you down. We know how to do it. But if you want to run around the building, run around the church, run. Like, if you think God needs that kind of praise, do it. Yeah. And the other thing is, if in the middle of it, something hits you and the Lord prompts you to give right at that moment and you're sealing that revelation and you're sealing that gift that he just planted in you, you're welcome to go give the offering at any time. Watch this even if you'd already given before. Like, I've done that multiple times. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But today, generally, we would do offering here and then have the message. But literally, this whole, this whole service is the offering message. And you're going to find that it goes right along with last week as well. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But what I want you to see is let the Holy Spirit move you. Let the Holy Spirit move you. 
don't take authority in a wrong way. And the Bible talks about that, usurping authority. That person shouldn't speak. It's not just talking about ladies, it's just talking about in general. If somebody wants to usurp authority, so don't take authority. You think you got a word, bring it to an elder, and uh, we're going to let the Holy Spirit flow. That's who we are. But I want you to see this too, is that we've said this many times, and I want you to hear this specifically today. One word preached under an anointing can change your life forever. And we hope that that day for you is today. All of us should have an expectation that we're not stepping out of here the same way that we stepped in. That the word of God that's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword is right now today going to touch our heart and change us forever. That we will not be the same. Do I have anybody that is receiving that? I will not be the same because I'm about to hear an anointed word of God from your word, Lord, and that word has the power to change me. That word has the power to change me and the power to take me higher and increase me so that I can be a a soul winner, a disciple maker in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. One word, one word received on one day of anointed preaching can change your life forever. And I hope for you that day is today. Amen. But you notice we talked about it before. A believer is a taker. The word says in Mark 11, I'm like giving you the pre-message. I'm setting you up to receive everything I'm about to give you. All right. A believer is a taker. And so one of the things that you see is in Mark 11, it says, believe when you're going to apply faith like God wants you to apply, you believe that you have received, I think it's verse 24, Mark 11, 24. Believe that you have received it. In other words, you're not believing that it's on the way. You're not believing that it's coming to you. You believe, I have it now. You have it spiritually and it goes to work inside your life. You believe that you have received it. So when you hear the word today, don't just believe that it's coming. You believe. You take it by faith. You take hold of it with your faith and you receive it. Amen? Do I have any receivers today? Anybody that's ready to receive everything that God has for you today? An anointed word of God, not just from a pastor, not from his words, but from God's word. Amen? Glory to God. Well, let's jump in, and I'd like for that camera to zoom in as far as you can on me. Amen. It's zooming, zooming, zooming. You can zoom faster. Amen. Is that it? Nope. Still going. Still going. Oh, there we go. Now watch, she'll get the headspace right, she'll do all that good stuff. There we go, look at that, amen, amen. The devil wants to steal everything from your life and destroy it, even from some very good and godly people. But God wants to make you a VIP in the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today, and the details and the intricacies of that, how God will turn you into a VIP. But listen to this, pay attention all the way to the end, because 
I've seen over the years in our experience, I've watched many people who are good godly people completely fall for the traps of the devil because there's some intricacies that they miss and we're going to talk about those things today. We're talking today about how to become a kingdom VIP and let's jump in today, amen. amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. That was for all the people that are watching online either live or in the archive. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and and verse 33. How to become a kingdom VIP. Amen. Yeah, you you can get the focus off now. That was probably interesting. If you don't have an envelope, you're welcome. Raise your hand. Even if you're new, you might not know this. You might not have come prepared to give today, but we'll give you an envelope. You can sew that back and jumpstart your increase in finances. Matthew chapter 6. And verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek what? First. First. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Seek first. In order to become a kingdom VIP, the first thing that you need to do and understand is that God is a priority. And he should be the priority of every moment of our lives. It's not me. I'm not my own priority. My family's not my own priority. If I want to treat my family right, the best thing I can do is treat God as the priority, as seeking him first. I think you're going to find it interesting how we jump into some of these intricacies as we go forward into today. But the first thing is, this goes right along with last week's message. If you didn't watch last week's message, you need to hear that. You need to hear about the heart of God and what God has for us because he's got some great things and he wants you to be a kingdom VIP. But the issue is, and he actually has the means to make everybody a kingdom VIP, which is amazing. It's just one of those things that God can do that we can't do on our own, but God can do it. But there's some things that we need to step into. We need to step into, and this morning as I was getting ready, I had another message, the same one I've been trying to get to you for months, but the Holy Spirit interrupted. He said, no, you're going to talk about this. I said, amen. Apparently, here's what's happening right now. The Lord's already said that 2023 for Boomerang is going to be a year of the glory. A year of glory. Now, if you don't know what the glory is, by definition in the Bible, you can look in Exodus when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory, right? Show me your glory. And he says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. All of my goodness. So the glory of God is all of God's goodness. And 2023 is going to be a year of all of the goodness of God, the glory of God in this body. And I can see how he's setting us up for it. Because you can't get into the glory and stay in his glory, stay in all of his goodness without having our heart right. And he's been correcting us all year long in the messages, the fact that you've made it through this whole year and you're still sitting here after a year of corrective messages, right? It it says something about you, right? Now, that's kind of who we are anyway, so you can expect the same thing next year. We're going to challenge your flesh, amen. But you're sitting here, good job, well done. But I'm also going to talk about you, about how even though you've done that, you can still miss it. But God's correcting us, 
and he's taken us to a place where his glory can be made manifest and we can stay there. Now, why would he want to do that? The same reason why he would want us to be filled up at the drive-in, ready to release full to the overflow of his anointing to pray for somebody who's in need. He wants you to be in an abundance, 2 Corinthians 9. He wants you to be in an abundance for every good deed, for every good work, right? So God wants you filled and overflowing with his glory and abundance. One, because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he doesn't have to put it on like, like the guy in Home Alone 2. I love you. He doesn't have to put it on. He actually loves you. Like it's actually a for real love. He loves you with an everlasting love so much so that he gave his son. Jesus gave his life for you. He actually loves you. And then he goes on in Romans 8.32 to say this. He says, how in the world, and this is Brian's paraphrase, how in the world, so you can put it up on there so they can see the real thing. Uh, how in the world, if he would give us his own son, will he not with Christ, with his own son, freely give us all things? In other words, he said, if he loves you enough to give it his son, then he loves you enough to give you everything you're ever going to need. Everything. That's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. It's amazing. He loves us. And, but one of the things that we want to do is make sure that we stay in the middle of that. He corrects, he disciplines those that he loves. He's trying to get you ready so you can get into all of his goodness, get into his glory and stay there. And then he loves you enough to bless you and overflow you. But it's not just for you, it's to overflow into other people. Imagine if every person in here had the glory of God like beaming down from heaven straight into your life like, like a you know, one-inch water hose filling up a five-gallon bucket, right? And all, I'm not talking about a, a normal water hose. I'm talking about a big water hose. With the glory of God, you're the five-gallon bucket, and it's not going to take long before you're overflowing. That's God's vision for this world, and that's God's vision for believers. You'll always be full. Your container will actually grow. You'll always be full, but you'll always have an overflow. That's God's, that's God's plan. And he doesn't want that just for pastors. He wants that for every believer. That's one of the big things about our culture here is it's not just for me. Did y'all see how many testimonies were on the testimony line this, this week? Kind of looks like a year of multiplied increase, which is what we said. I was thinking, kind of looks like it. We're talking about, we're talking, I just, like a few weeks ago, I said, if anybody's got any blessings that they want to give God glory for, but they want to do it so anonymously so they're not drawing attention to themselves, send it to me. We had over, a, what was it, $130,000 of unexpected increase in the lives of believers in this church. That was just a few weeks ago. This week, there was like, there was like what was it? One was $10,000 unexpected. What was, what was the other one, huh? Another was $7,000. Unexpected. What the Lord say at the beginning? His word is true. What did He say at the beginning of this year? He said, "This is a year of multiplied increase." We're watching it happen. We're watching it happen. I said it last year. I said, "You're going to see this church start to fill up with new cars." Right? There's new cars all over the parking lot. Why? Why? 
Is, is the material things, material things important to God? Yes, they are. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to get things not just to you but through you. When, when people, see we painted the picture in the American church for so long that oh yeah we have a great big God but he didn't want you to have anything. That's not true. That's no more true than me not wanting my son to have things. I love them. I want them to have stuff. Who do you think that comes from? It comes from God. And if you don't believe it, read his word. Read his word. Just go to uh, Genesis chapter 12 and, and see where God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And then you keep reading. I think it's Genesis 13, one chapter later. And Abraham, Abram, was very rich. And cattle and livestock and gold. It wasn't a spiritual blessing only. That's what caused it to happen. You change the spiritual root, it changes the physical fruit. The devil's perpetrated a lie that God doesn't want you to have anything. No, God's a God of increase. It's all throughout the Bible. Just, just do a word search on blessing. Do a word search. Just search it real quick in, in the Esword. Put in blessing and tell me how many times blessing is mentioned in the Bible. How many verses has the word blessing in it? You know, God is a God of the blessing. It's what he wants, huh? 64 verses that just say blessing. Now type in blessings, plural. Nine. So we got 70 verses that just talk about the blessing. That's the one that defines it directly. That directly defines the blessing of God. It's all over the Bible. It's the blessing that calls Isaac. Go to, uh, you don't have to go there, but if you go read in Genesis 26, it's a famine. It's a famine. What we would call today a recession, a depression. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a famine, Isaac plants seed. That just sounds stupid. He plants seed. But he's got a blessing on him. He's got a blessing on him. How many people... Do you, do you think in the Great Depression of the 30s when they had the dust bowl and the dust was just rolling over uh, the west, uh, how many farmers do you think were out there after they learned what was going on planting seed? Not very many. Why? Because what's the point? There's, there's this. That's what Isaac faced in Genesis 26. A famine. But he planted seed. And what happened? The blessing in the middle of the famine caused him to have a return, a hundredfold return. A hundredfold return. In the middle of a blessing. In the middle of a famine, the blessing worked. He was in the middle of a famine in the world, but the middle of a blessing in the spirit. He walked in it. He carried the blessing with him because God had pronounced the blessing on his family and he had pronounced it on the people and he was that people. I'm telling you, if you go into Galatians chapter 3, it shows you that every person that's in Christ is blessed with faithful Abraham. If you're born again, you are in the blessing right now. It's time for some believers to put some faith on that blessing, put it to work so that you will have an abundance to do every good deed. And see, the devil's perpetrated that, that nah, well, this is just how it is. 
You know, I'll tell the story uh, of that one time, Jerry Savelle, it was 2008 when the housing market burst and they had the mini recession there. And he's reading it on, he's in first class. He's, you know, first class, you're with other people that generally think a little higher. They've got something going on. He's on the airplane, he's in first class. The headlines say uh, recession there. He said, I don't take any part with that. And the guy sitting there in first class looks over, he says, what are you talking about? He says, I'm, I don't take part of this, of this worldly recession. What he's saying is completely uh, biblical and completely doctrinally correct. I'm in this world, but not of it, right? He's saying, I see this going on in the world, but I take no part with that because I have an inheritance and a blessing from God regardless of what's going on in the world. I take no part with that. This guy got spitting mad. He got, he got so mad. How, what, what, what gives you the right to think that you don't have to go through this like everybody else? Like, why are you trying to hold people down in the pit? Like, this is what Jesus is for, to take us up out of the pit, that when the world's created a, a pit, that we don't, have to, we don't have to operate in that place. We can operate on a different set of rules, a different set of laws. We operate by the blessing of God in the world, but not of it. It's why Jesus can say, you're in the world. He says, and I'm not going to take you out of the world and out of the corrupt world, but I will keep you from the evil one. He says, I'm telling you, and in the parable, he said, occupy till I come. That means do kingdom business till I come. I'm establishing some things and some thought processes so that you can grab all the goody out of this message today. Amen? This morning I had a different message. The Lord, he said, here's what I want you to preach. A kingdom VIP. But you got to know that there's some intricacies to it. And many people fall prey because they don't know these things. The first place that they fall prey is they believed the false humility that God doesn't want you blessed. That God doesn't want you to have that. That's a false humility. The whole Bible is a book of blessing. It's a book. If you boiled it down, it would boil down to one word, love. What does love do? It gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. What's he given? The feel goods? Well, I love you, so here, just feel good. You know, I know you're going through hell, but, you know, just... Feel better. Glory to God. No, it's real solutions. It's real solutions. It's not the feel goods. It's the power of God, the anointing of God. In Ephesians, he preaches it like this. He says, I pray that your eyes will be opened to your inheritance, that your eyes will be opened to what you have in God. In Ephesians 1, at the end of the chapter. Just put that up there, Ephesians 1.15. Start there. He says, I'm praying. I don't cease praying for you. He says, I'm praying that your eyes will be open. Here's what I'm praying. I've heard of the faith and, uh, that exists among all the saints, verse 16. He says, I do not cease giving, giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the, Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
In other words, now he's not giving you a revelation of the knowledge of the world. He's giving you a revelation of the knowledge of him. In other words, who he is, what he is, what his character is, what his nature is, and what he's done for you. It's a lot bigger. We're not trying to get you worldly knowledge and logic. We're trying to get you heavenly knowledge and and wisdom and, and logic. All right? In verse 18, he said, here's some of this. I pray that the eyes of your heart, another another translation says, that the understanding of your heart, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, you won't be in the dark over this topic. So that you will know what is the hope of his calling. Now, if you know this biblical hope, what is biblical hope? Three parts. It's not luck, joy, confidence, and expectation. So he says, I, I hope that your eyes will be opened and you won't be darkened in your enlightenment about this, that you will know the joy, that you will know the confidence, and you will know the expectation of his calling. What are the riches of the glory? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance In the saints. It's already in the saints. It's already in the saints. Another verse says, the kingdom's within you. When you were born again, the kingdom was deposited within you. You already have it. You're already at the beginning of Ephesians 1. You back up to verse 3. You look at it in your Bible. It says, he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's already been done. It's past tense. That's what he's done. I'm talking to blessed people today. I'm talking to people that have an inheritance. And in that inheritance is a joy, a confidence, and an expectation. All right? Then it says this. He says that you'll know what are the riches towards the saints in that last verse. The riches of the glory. In other words, there's a glory, all the goodness of God, and it's rich, and it is your inheritance that's already in you. All that's in that verse. Next verse, 19, watch this. He says, and what is, not just the greatness, what is the greatness of his power? No, the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Towards us who believe. This is is not just power. This is not just great power. This is surpassing greatness of his, not our power, His power towards us who believe. Towards us. And he says, now now I'm going to tell you how big this power is. He He says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. In other words, this this inheritance of the surpassing greatness of his power is on this level. It's on the working, the level of his working, of his might. Remember, this is what we already have in us as a believer. And then verse 20, he said, the strength of his might, which, here's the level, he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. In other words, here's the inheritance you have on the inside of you. Every person who believes in Christ has a blessing. 
and they are blessed and they already have it in the inner man, in the spirit man. And here is that inheritance. The power of resurrection power, the same one that raised Jesus from the dead, raised him up to heaven and set him at the right hand, the seat of authority. That's in every believer. He said, it's toward us who believe. And it's already in his saints. It's an inheritance in the saints. You already have it. So when the devil comes by and he starts talking to you about what you don't have and how bad it is and oh, woe is me, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Yeah, somebody, somebody knew. Hee-haw for all the generation gaps that I just jumped over. Gloom, despair, agony on me. All, when the devil does that, all of a sudden, you, something ought to rise up inside of you. That, I want, no, wait, that's not me. You're talking to the wrong person. No, I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance on the same level of resurrection power. That's not just for pastors, that's for believers. It didn't say the inheritance in the pastors. It said the inheritance in the saints. And every person that receives Christ is made holy and given his righteousness and sanctified by his blood. He's talking about you. Hit your neighbor on the arm and say he's talking about you. Yeah. Amen. And then you tell your neighbor, say, that's right, he is. I take it. I have it. It's working in me now. All of a sudden you start to understand, oh man, the devil has played quite a shell game and perpetrated a bunch of lies. And then you can see why the church has been powerless instead of faithful. And it's time for that to change. There's a shaking going on. Thank God's things won't be shaken, but these ungodly deceptions will be. And you're seeing a shaking out in the world right now like never before. It's been prophesied all over the Bible. We're right in the middle of it. And faithfulness is being proven. And unfaithfulness is being shown. But faithfulness is being proven. It's time for us to be that. To be a VIP in the kingdom of God, you've got to know what your inheritance is. And you've got to know what goes first. What goes first is not everything else but the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what goes first. We've got to seek him first above all things. Now, that sounds simple enough, but I'm going to show you there's some intricacies that can get you off. And I want you to see this. The second thing to be a VIP in the kingdom of God is you need to be a sower. You need to be a sower, a giver, but understand... The kingdom of God is not just about giving. The kingdom of God is about sowing, right? He says in Genesis, he says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. He said the kingdom, and he says this multiple places and shows it, the kingdom is not as a gift, the kingdom is as a seed. In other words, when I plant, I'm expecting it to be sown, not just released and given away, but I'm, I'm sowing it and I'm expecting a harvest back. Now, we start with our revelation about that in money, but we end up understanding that with love 
and service and a giving of our lives. So we start with the we start with money to understand it. Every Sunday we have an opportunity to grow in our revelatory knowledge of seed time and harvest so that we can move into the true riches of the kingdom of God. But we must be a sower. Look at Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 and 11. If we want to be a VIP in the kingdom of God, we have to be putting the kingdom first. The second thing is, we have to be a sower. We have to be. What happened in Acts? What happened in Acts as soon as the Holy Spirit fell? What happened? What did they start doing for each other? They started giving everything that was needed. They started things that they had worked on for years. Why? This is a move of God. This wasn't socialism. It wasn't all of them becoming equal. Yeah, that was not that. You know, this was the Holy Spirit moving on their hearts and then making a choice in the love of God and the power of God to be sowers. And they started, they started sowing into each other. As somebody had a need, they started sowing into each other. This is why sometimes you'll, we'll hear about somebody who needs something. As the Lord leads, we'll put it on the line. And it, uh, we watch it all the time. The church will just move and respond and meet that need. You know, it'll just, they'll just move and respond and meet that need. That's a move of God. When you start seeing supernatural giving, you can tell God's in motion. Because what, what mortal man in this world of corruption just starts giving like that? Very few. And if they do, they generally, they either got to soothe their conscience or they're trying to get something. They're trying to get an angle. But very, get somebody giving unconditionally in agape love, which is what that is, that doesn't just happen. In this world, people generally always have an angle, right? But when you see a move of God, just like in Acts, it happened multiple times. We've seen it here as well. When you see a true move of God and a true revival, all of a sudden, you'll see people just start giving. You'll just start giving. And watch this. Read this verse, Luke 16, 10. It says, he who is faithful in a very little thing. I want you to see this right away. He says he's faithful in a very little thing. Now, what he's talking about here, when you go back and read the surrounding passage, he's talking about money. He's talking about worldly money. And he calls money a very little thing. Not just a little thing, a very little thing, right? He calls money a very little thing. Now, that's very interesting, right? And because what you start to see is, think about this. You want to, not this church, because y'all have had good teaching on it and y'all are good sowers, right? Uh, and we've seen that. We have a culture of being a giving and a loving church and a sowing church. And so when I talk about money, y'all get excited. But you go into most churches, you start talking about giving and, and we need to step up our responsibility to sow and, and we need to believe God. You will, I've, I know, I've traveled, I've gone to other churches. I, you start preaching a message like that and everybody was so excited during worship. And now everybody got real quiet. Real quiet. You want to, I'll tell you this, when you, when you actually preach in an anointing on money, you will run all the devils out of that church. Because the devils don't, they know if you start getting into sowing and giving on that level, that here's the thing, you can be totally behind enemy lines. God is not mocked. He says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So when you got givers that start giving, even if they are totally surrounded by the enemy, 
God now has to move on their behalf because he's not mocked. He says, no, they sowed into me for my name's sake. They sowed into me. They must reap a harvest. They must reap a harvest. Now see, our job is to put faith on that. Not believe the lie. Well, I've been sowing for years and I hadn't seen any. That's the devil talking to you. Tell him to shut up. No, no, no. You're in. I love this. Uh, you know, one of the blessings we had this week, Hannah put it on the line. And, uh, but what was so great, what was so great before this was there was a blessing that came out on that line at the beginning of the week, and she's picked this up, right? She goes, I'm in the same receiving line as you. In other words, she wasn't blessed. She wasn't blessed monetarily, but she saw the blessing on somebody else in the body of Christ, and she went, I'm in the same line. I'm in the same line. In other words, that, that was their day to receive a blessing. She said, I'm in the same line. It was her blessing at the end of the week that caused everybody to shout. And they realize, see, the devil trying to tell you in that situation, well, they got blessed, and you've been giving and sowing, giving all this stuff. Where's your blessing? He's trying to get you out of hope, out of joy, out of confidence, out of an expectation, because if he can get you out of that, your faith doesn't work. But if you see that, and even though you've been sowing, but you haven't seen the, the manifestation yet, and all of a sudden you stay in hope, you stay in joy, confidence, and expectation, the same thing that happened to you can happen to everybody else. I'm in the same receiving line. I'm in the same receiving line. Glory to God. You know, y'all know the story, so I can tell it and not be, not be off by it. But, you know, I, we sold our car over a year ago. And, and throughout the year, while I'm sitting there, I don't have a car. And it was right. It was so good. I enjoyed it. I was actually happy to not have a car. That may surprise you. But it blessed me. It did some things to me that were great. It was awesome. We had a great year with that. But I can remember multiple times being tempted with the thing where somebody gets a car. And I'm like, well, they, they didn't even sell a car. Well, they didn't sell a car. Well, 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 they didn't. Well, how come? They, you know, I could even watch some people and they receive some big blessings. I'm like, they're all jacked up. <laughs> like, at least I'm trying. I know y'all have never thought about that or ever had that cross your mind. But I, I had to face that a couple of times while I'm sitting there without a car watching people be blessed. It's like, Lord, I gave the word. There'll be new cars in the parking lot and it's happening. Where's mine? <laughs> and I know y'all have never thought like that, but sometime maybe you'll be discipling somebody that has thought like that and you'll at least know that this exists, okay? So... <laughs> where's my see that's what that's the devil trying to get you out he's trying to tempt you out of faith he's trying to tempt you out of expectation he's trying to get you to that place where you don't even know how to receive well well of course y'all know the end of the story y'all had a blessing up your sleeve I didn't know about for some months and all of a sudden that new blessing sitting out in the parking lot I had no idea about it but God had it all worked out and all figured out and it's awesome and I definitely had a harvest amen it was a good harvest, and your name's attached to it, and it's causing me to pray and remember you in prayers all the time. All the time. Amen. But here's what, 
here's the interesting thing, is the devil tried to get you out of that. Hannah had a great response in that. She saw somebody blessed. She went, I'm in the same receiving line. And, and just a couple of days later, she was. It, it was. That's it. See, when we get to that place, stop letting the... No, see, we, the devil keeps trying to make you think like you don't have a blessing. Like you don't have an inheritance working. It's working. I've said it so many times. If you could see, if you could draw back the curtain between the natural world and the spiritual world, what you would not, you wouldn't catch God like sitting there, like, you know, sitting there like the thinker, you know, like this. You wouldn't catch him doing this, trying to figure out how he's going to help you. Or maybe he's like, he's reading the paper, you know, like, oh, oh, gracious, good. Oh, I'm helping, I'm working for you, right? And like you caught him doing nothing. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's always working on your behalf. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. This is scripture. If you could draw back the curtain and see, you might not see the blessing yet, but it's on the way. It's working for you. If your heart is right and your faith is active, this is the victory that overcomes the world or the lack of the world, even our faith. And so if your faith is active and God is first and you're a sower, things are coming your way. Things are on the way now. You are in the receiving line. Things are changing. Things are turning around. You're going up. Now I'm not just telling that to make you feel good. I'm telling you what you need to do to stay there, to receive it and walk in it. The devil is constantly trying to get you to be so poor and so out of the blessing of God that when it comes up that you need to give something or sow something, you won't have it. Now he starts with money, and this is what this verse is talking about. He says, if you don't, if you don't know how to do it right in this little thing, he says, he says money is a little thing. How is it that this little thing has eaten the American church's lunch? How is it you can't talk about giving without ticking off most of the people in the church? See why I sent the super kids out? Because we're talking real. How come you can't talk about sowing in, in the kingdom of God? And the reason is most people don't have a revelation of their inheritance. They don't have a revelation of the blessing. And they actually have no idea how to get a harvest back into their life. And God says, this is a little thing. You should know all of these things. You should be on top of it. Every believer ought to know how to sow and reap. Ought to know how to walk in a harvest of God all the time. It's what I've called them to do. And then watch this. Watch because he proves it right here. He says this. He says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. So a lot of people say, well, if I had a million dollars, I'd, I'd give a hundred grand to the church. And uh, I'd, I'd, give, I'd, give, or I'd give the majority of it to church. No, you wouldn't. Because if you have a hundred dollars, you, you're not giving ten. No. And see, there's a little thing that's, got a, that's had a stranglehold on the church. Because he says, he says right here, if you won't do it in a little thing, you will not do it in much. Doesn't work that way. If you don't have your mind renewed and your heart renewed on that item, if you don't have your mind and your heart renewed on that item when it's a little thing, 
you think when it's multiplied, your heart's all of a sudden going to magically get right? Nope. <laughs> nope. So, here he says, he says, he who has been unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous also in much. I want you to see this. What, is, what does it basically mean to get it right or get it wrong? It means your priorities are, are off or on. If, if I'm seeking him first, then I'm not thinking first about me. I'm not thinking first about my own finances. I'm thinking about God. And that's kind of what we talked about last week. Where he says, where he says in Haggai, was it? Where he talks about, he says, Why is it that your houses are wealthy and luxurious, but my house, the house of God, is in ruin? Why is it? Why have you built your houses first? What is he challenging? What's first in your life? And watch this. Here's the issue. is because, And you're going to see it in this next verse. If we can't get this right, God can't bless you in the level that he wants to bless you and manifest it. And so we might have a touch of it, but you can't keep it. Your character won't allow you to keep it. And God's not talking to a church that's going to move into the glory and lose it. He's talking to a church that's going to move into the glory and the fullness and it's going to overflow and the valve's going to stay turned on and it's not going to shut off because they're going to allow their character to stay where it needs to stay. He says this, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? In other words, there's a VIP status in the kingdom of operating with the true riches of the kingdom. But if you don't get money right, you'll never get to that. You'll never get to handling the anointing. You'll never get to handling the glory of God because you've not gotten it right in money. That's literally what it says. So now, when I got a hold of this and got revelation, I, I thought, dear Lord, help me. Help me, Lord to get my head and my heart right about money. Because I know I have a calling to, to get the anointing to people and get the glory of God and the true riches of the kingdom to people. And that's not just for a pastor, that's for every believer. How is every believer going to operate in the true riches if the pastor's not operating in the true riches? And how can I operate in the true riches of the kingdom of God at a VIP true riches of the kingdom if I don't even understand about money? And it's not just to be a giver of money. i got to know how to harvest those things. i got to know how to reap those things. But now, can you see? Do you follow the logic, what God's saying here? But then I want you to see this is, so why is it that in the American church, as soon as you start talking about money, and you start talking about the blessing of God, and sowing and reaping, how is it that the American church as a whole shuts down? Now let me ask you this question. If that's the case, how much of the true riches of the kingdom of God is that church going to operate in? None. And this is why you've seen a decline in Christianity in America. Because people are looking for something real. They're looking for something powerful. But you can't have real and powerful if you don't have people that will humble themselves to the word and stop listening to feel-good messages that are all based and cooked up in corrupted world's logic. 
you got to get out of the logic of the world and get into the logic of God and the wisdom of God and know what you have and know how to apply it and know how to see those things released. This is what causes testimonies of, the, of these financial miracles. This is what causes cancer to fall off on people, diabetes to go away, Parkinson's to be removed. This is what causes over 800 people to be born again in this church this year. Not, not on Sunday morning by believers out on the street leading their friends and neighbors and strangers to the Lord. Beating down the highways and the hedges, compelling them to come into the kingdom of God and making disciples. See, without something real, you're just going to see a church will end up being a social club or a political group. And it's not meant to be either one of those. It's meant to house the power of God to be a training center for every believer to disciple themselves, be a soul winner, produce the fruit, and every one of them operate in the true riches of God. And as we move to this place where we allow the power of God to move and flow through us, then we can move into the place where God's been calling you all of your life. There are destinies to be had. It's not a game. We can have a lot of fun doing it. And it's dramatic and challenging and it's not boring, but it will test your flesh. Even right now, maybe some people... Not, I'm sure not in this room, it's online, I'm sure. Maybe, and it's not even who's watching live, it's people in the future, they'll watch back. Their flesh is being tested and stretched. Y'all are holy, I know, I get it. But somebody sometime may, may be tested, even in this message. There's destinies that God wants to release. He, he's called you to be a VIP in the kingdom of God. But it's not up to me to make you that. It's up to you to receive the inheritance you've already been given and learn how to walk it out. And as you do that, though, there's going to be stuff we've already learned in this corrupted world we're going to have to put down. I've said it to you so many times, and I want to say it again. Why is it that we can get up here? Look, we see all those testimonies of healing. We've seen all those just in the last couple of years. All of these testimonies that we're talking about, these are real things that we got pictures to prove it, all kinds of doctors report. We got all that stuff to prove. The, the point is, how come we can be walking in something real, but yet people will come in and visit and be like, oh, I don't believe in that tongue stuff. Now watch. Okay, fine, you don't believe in tongues. How come you don't come ask about it? How come they, I've never had one person who disagreed with the doctrine. It's like, what did the Lord tell, tell you to pay attention to? Fruit. They'll be known by their fruit. One looks like the fruit of the world, and one looks like the fruit of heaven. How come when people see fruit, they don't come and say, now I disagree with this, but I want to know why do you believe that way? Because that takes hunger and humility, and that is a key to being a VIP in the kingdom of God. I've never had one person disagree that was just visiting that came up that came up and said, I don't know about that, but tell me why. Show me scripture. We'll take them. I'll take you to scripture. I'll show you all of those scriptures. We'll go through and but now I'm gonna tell you, I'm not gonna opinion's not gonna be the standard. 
is going to be that word of God, not, not Brian's opinion. But see, we've got to know these things and operate in these things to walk in that glory and to be a VIP in the kingdom of God. And we must challenge our flesh and challenge our old mental thoughts on that, our old doctrines, and let the word of God renew our mind to these things. If you want to get into the true riches, we've got to be good sowers and reapers. We've got to be the kind of people that there's things don't stand in front of us. I told you already, and let it be known, you give something to me, you better be prepared to see it in the hands of somebody else. I will give it away, sometimes very quickly. Y'all gave me the car on Sunday. That next weekend, I was praying over whether to give it away. I'm not joking. Am I joking? And y'all, some of y'all have been offended at that. Did you give it or not? Whose is it to give away? Is it still yours? It's got strings attached? I didn't know that. I'll give you the money back. I'll gladly. You see what I mean? No, I'm not joking. The next week, we're not talking about a, a small car either. No, I literally said, Lord, do you want me to give this? I'll give it right now. Like, I don't think this is you, but I'm making sure because I don't want to miss it. See, what I'm saying is God doesn't mind you having stuff, but he, he minds stuff having you. That was a good test for me. It's not God. God didn't have to test me. He knew where I was at already. The question was, the question was, did it have me? Did it have me? Some years ago, I was at a meeting uh, with Dr. Rodney, and uh, I had, y'all might not know this, but it just, you know, we didn't, we didn't grow up with a lot of stuff. When we were first married, we didn't have a lot of stuff. Very in poverty, really. And God changed that. He's turned some of that stuff around. But I remember there was a, there was a very special thing that the Lord gave to me. He, gave me. he gave me some extra money, and I found myself in Texas. And, uh, you know, I'm in Texas, and I'm, I'm thinking, I would like to have something Texas. So what do you buy that's Texas? Like, I, I'm just thinking I would like to have it. And, I, and then somebody said, there's, there's a boot factory. Down there, I'm like, that's Texas. Amen. Glory to God. That's Texas. Amen. And so I went, and they had, they had, like, we think we got boot factories here. <laughs> Go to Texas. Like, and, and there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands. I tried on, I tried on a whole bunch of different boots. I found these Ariat boots, right? And I found these boots. I put them in, and my foot, it just felt like a glove. Like, just, oh, oh, oh gracious. So comfortable. It was awesome. They were like this, this uh, green, like the color of her shirt was the highlight, and then like a chocolate brown, had a cross on the back and everything. I'm like, they, I found my boots, you know, and uh, I, my boots. And, and so then, and they were like $300, right? And I, I was like, I never in my life spent $300 on a pair of shoes. And the Lord said, get them. I was like, okay. So I got them. Amen. They even gave me a nice little uh, duffel bag to bring home and give something to Nicole while I had my boots. Amen. 
And uh, so I was like, that helps. Glory to God. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, look, look, I got me some boots. Here's a bag for you. Look how beautiful it's got wheels. And uh, so then I bring home the bag and I got these boots and I love them. They are so comfortable. Oh my goodness. They're like, they're just, not every boot's comfortable. These boots were super comfortable. And so I'm down at Dr. Rodney's at a meeting. I'm down at Dr. Rodney's at a meeting. And um, these boots meant something to me. It was a part of the blessing of God. I'd never had money to get those before. This was a new thing. This was, this was like God saying, hey, son, I want you to have this. That's what those boots meant. And I'm down there, and uh, it was a week. I don't know, sometimes you'll get into certain meetings, and there's an anointing to give, right? There's one lady. She's got an anointing to take up an offering. And, uh, but, and she'd spoke a couple of times. Y'all know, y'all know who I'm talking about. And uh, that, anyway, she gets up, and I'm like, I might as well worry what I got because it's coming out now because the Lord, like, anoints this lady to take up an offering. But she wasn't, she wasn't really, I, she might have been talking that night. I don't remember who was, who was doing the offering. But anyway, this week had been, Jonathan had been doing the offering most of the week, and it had been so annoying. I would given everything. Like, I, I'd given everything. And we got down to this night. We got, amen. We got down to this night. And uh, so, <laughs> amen. We got down uh, to this night, and here it is. And I was like, Lord, I want to give you I'd already given stuff. I'd given away jackets and belts and watches and the nicest stuff I had. Like, I wore my nicest watch down there that had been given not too long before that. I took it off. I gave it away, all this stuff. I'm sitting there, and the Lord, the Lord says, give you boots. And I was like, I know y'all never felt that, and uh, you're just laughing at me. But, um, yeah, I was like, uh. I said, okay, but it was like one of those moments. It was easy, but it, it, I took off the boots. I took them up there. Actually, if you go back to the video, Dr. Rodney says, apparently we had a Texan in the house giving his boots away. That was the, my boots he was looking at and uh, back then. And uh, so I'm now, and I had boots, so they came up high, so I had some crazy socks on. And uh, so they were like crazy socks. Well, I don't know any of this. Like, I'm sitting there. Now, I want you to imagine at this moment, they have, I think it's a $500 iPod, not, it's not iPhone, it's iPod, you know, that's what they used to have, and um, they had a $500 iPod with all of his teachings on it. My mouth was watering for all of that stuff. Now, that was just a couple years before, 500 we couldn't spend it. Like, I couldn't spend that from the church, personally, nothing. I wanted that teaching, I wanted to grow, I was so hungry for that, I couldn't eat, I couldn't buy it. And uh, so here I am, and uh, that was a year or so uh, uh, before that. Here I am, the service ends, I'm walking around in my socks, you know. I'm walking in my socks. And uh, about that time, I get invited up to Dr. Rodney's office. And, uh, and then I'm like, oh, good, I want to go talk to him. I want to meet him. We had met before. And, uh, but I get invited to go up to his office. I think that was the day that uh, Richard Moore took me up there. I think that was that night. I'm sitting there. I'm drunk in the Holy Ghost, and uh, Richard Moore comes over there, and I'm like, and Dr. Rodney a lot of times doesn't stick around. He didn't do that for years, but this, this night he was. He comes over. He sees Richard, who's been a friend with him for 30 years, that the Lord supernaturally connects, and uh, he says, has he ever been up to my office? And I said, no. He said, bring him up to my office. 
I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, I'm like in the spirit and under the anointing. I'm like tipsy already, you know. And uh, it, but then I think I have enough logic to go, I'm not wearing any shoes. And I got crazy socks on. And I walk into his office, and the first thing he goes, he goes, he goes, look, Adonica, he, did, he gave away his shoes tonight. He gave away his shoes. And, and I want you to understand this. That, those shoes meant something to me. And the Lord asked. And he'd already asked for a bunch of other stuff that week. You know, it's like all this. And, and this was like I'm giving not out of, I'm giving out of just a necessity. Like God is first. Now see, if you don't have this heart in the physical realm, how are you going to take the glory and the anointing and not try to capture it for yourself? And watch this. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. This whole front row, stand up. Just These are an example. If, if you have the glory and the anointing, and I'm not willing to give away a pair of shoes or some extra money when it's uncomfortable to my flesh, and all of a sudden I'm carrying an anointing that heals cancer, do you think I'm going to empower other people with that anointing? Or am I going to try and keep it for myself? Am I going to try and empower other ministers and ministries with that anointing so they can have a flow in it too? I won't do it because if I won't do it in a little, I won't do it in much. And that anointing is much more valuable than a pair of boots and some money. And so if you don't get your head right on money, you'll never go into the true riches because you won't empower future generations with the anointing and glory because they may flow in it and people like them more than you. Sit down. So how can God give you those true riches and not blow your head up if you don't get money right? And see, most of the American church, you just mention money and they shut down. How's that church ever going to operate on a, on a way in Ephesians 1.10 in an administration suitable to the fullness of God? It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I walk in and... and now, I, I have no idea I'm going up to Dr. Rodney's office. I have no idea what he's going to do. I don't know any of that. And I walk in, and he says, he's got no shoes. I sit down, and I, I, I start talking to him and everything. He goes, hold, stop. He says, what size shoe do you wear? I said, 11. He said, he said hold on. And he exits the room. I didn't know he had a whole closet full of stuff. I thought it was his office. He comes back, and I got them on today. I hadn't worn them in a while, these shoes that he gave me. It's a Belvedere. It's like an ostrich uh, I don't know, something nice. Nice a pair of shoes. I, I looked them up, you know, like any good believer does when they get back to the <laughs> hotel room. Like, how much are these worth? It's like $1,500. Like, I never had a pair of $1,500 shoes. God doesn't mind you having stuff, but he minds it if, if it has you. You, under, you understand. But then all of a sudden you get to a place where there starts to be an overflow. There's an overflow. There's an overflow. There's an overflow. There's an overflow. 
Do you think God's limited? See, the reason why we try to hoard and hang on to things is because we don't believe there's a flow. And we don't think that that originating source of that flow has enough. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You think God doesn't have enough to fill and overflow every person, every ever created? He's got enough. See, we, we've, we've lacked on our knowledge of Him. Of Him. We've lacked on our knowledge of Him. We haven't known Him. And He said, because you haven't known Me, you've not operated in the blessing and the overflow. And because of that, you're not carrying what I want you to carry. And because of that, you're not being the VIP that I've called you to be. And is this just for the pastor? No. No. How old are you? 24 years old. Do you know how old, how long we went without a five-figure harvest? And it won't be the first. And it won't be the only. You're just begun. It won't be the first. Stand up. It won't be the first, and it won't be the only. You've just begun. You've just begun. You've been putting things in place. You did things that the flesh didn't want you to do. And you're starting, starting, starting to see the harvest. Lord, let it flow and overflow in Jesus' name. In that anointing, let her be a VIP in the kingdom of God. And let every other person in here be that. That flows in the overflow. You're listen, boomerang. You're just getting started. I'm so excited to be here to see it, to be a part of it. You're just getting started. The glory's just cracking open over this place. Just now, you're gonna have people in the future that goes, Oh my gosh, were you there when that happened? When the glory cracked over that church. Were you there? Yeah, we had to put our flesh down. We had to look at things in a new way. But I was there. It's not just for her, not just for you. It's for every person that will grab hold of it. That's the beauty of faith. God's given everybody the measure of faith, and it's a great equalizer no matter who you are or where you've come from. You can jumpstart things. You can kick it off. And when you start it in finances, it doesn't stop there with God. That's just the beginning with God. That's the very little thing. That's the very little thing. To be a VIP... Don't misplace your trust. Don't misplace your source. You see, that's the thing. A lot of times the reason why we hold on to things is we think that that thing that we possess is our source. No, the source got that thing to you. And he can get bigger stuff to you and more stuff to you. I don't have to protect uh, the anointing that I have on my life. I can release it. I can empower others. I can empower others. You know, how long have I wanted, how long have I wanted like social media stuff to blow up for the kingdom of God? All my life. All my life. Desired it. What's that reel up to right now? 
Over 3 million views on a reel. What day? When did you put it out? Wednesday. Now, what he did, and it's kind of hard to get to, but he put a link in his bio, hey, help me with a school project, and it leads them to the salvation prayer, and they fill it out. They've had people go to that, and five people fill it out for the kingdom and, and actually send it in that I prayed the prayer. Now, there's probably been many more than that that was scared to fill it out because they don't know where it's going to, but uh, most of the time when you, listen, when you have a response, that generally is 2% of the people that actually went there. So if you've had five people respond and respond positively, hallelujah, <laughs> if, you've had, if you've had five people respond and that's 2%, then you've had hundreds come because of that. And Now, am I jealous of his post blowing up? No, I'm giving God the glory. And then, watch, he knew what to do with it. He knew what to do with it. He knew to point it to God, not keep that for himself. Oh, my account's blowing up. To give it to God. Stand up. I don't know. An overflow and of anointing and favor and increase with God and man in Jesus' name. Let there be more. Let them be multiplied in Jesus' name. Lord, give them ideas. Give them ideas. Overflow him with ideas in the name of Jesus. See, it's not just, what if my believing for social media to blow up was for him? See, we think it's for us. What if all my faith just went into him doing it? And I never see it. I'm good with that. You see, that's the heart that you have to have. What if, what if you work all your life but never really see the full overflow, but it opens up the door for your kids or for somebody, your spiritual kids? I'm good with that. God's the one who gives increase. You can't hold on to it for yourself and hoard it. There's a flow and there's a giver and He likes to overflow His children. He delights in the prosperity of His children. He delights in it. It's who He is. <laughs> he delights in it. To be a VIP, you can't misplace, misplace your trust or misplace your source. Many times things, things are people's source. Look at this verse in uh, uh, Matthew 19, 26. Now you know this is around uh, the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. He comes up. Let, I tell you what, this same story, I'm going to jump back to Matthew in a second. This same story is in Mark chapter 10. Go to Mark chapter 10. See, there's got to be an anointing. There's got to be a real. There's got to be something that moves us. Verse 17, Mark 10, 17. As, as he was, <clears throat> Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one, no one is good except God alone. Now one of the greatest things to this whole part of the Bible, and you're going to see that the full story is not all in Mark. We're going to connect the story in Matthew where it's also told there. 
But what I, what I want you to see is from the beginning of this story, God, Jesus does not misplace his trust and who is the source. From the beginning of the story, it's about something. It's about the heart. And it's about being a VIP in the kingdom of God. And you see it right here. Because if anybody on the earth could claim the title of being good, it was God, it was Jesus. And here he comes up and says, good master. And Jesus, who is good, says there's no one good but God. In other words, it's not that he couldn't claim it. He's saying it all comes from him. It all comes from him. If anybody could, well, I want to follow that example. So multiple times, things that I've done is I've said, I've said look, Somebody else say, man, pastor, that was a great message. That really spoke to me. It really ministered to me. And everything else, say, God is good. God is so good and faithful. What am I doing? I'm saying, thank you, but it belongs to God. I'm following that example of Christ. God is so good. Why? Watch. Because your compliments are not my source. I'm not misplacing my trust in your opinion I know if it's good, it came from him, not from my logical mind and not from my ability to, to make a message. Listen, if I, I can have the best points ever, but without the anointing of God on it, without the blessing of God on it, it's worthless. It's worthless. I need the anointing. We need, we need it to come out of the flow of heaven. The flow of heaven. And so he says, look, there's only one good, and that's the Father. And he, and he gives to the Father. And then watch this. He says, you know the commandments, verse 19, you know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. This is a good guy. Remember when I said even good and godly people can be tripped up, and I'll tell you from experience, 14 years of pastoring and more years of ministry, I have watched good and godly people not be the VIP that God wanted them to be because they got tripped up on some intricacies that they were unaware of. And we're about to dive into that one of the main things right now. He says this, and he said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Verse 21, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. This is not a bad guy. This is not a, a big mess up. He loved him. And right now he's about to try and help him like never before. He's not done this to one other person outside of the apostles. And then he says this. He says, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor. Now, let me just point out this because our brain that wants to pay a price for our ungodliness wants to read that and say Jesus told him to give all he had to the poor. That's not what he said. He said go sell all that you have. Why? Because he was wiping, he was saying you're coming with me. And then he says, but when you sell all that you have, he doesn't say give all to the poor, he says give to the poor. In other words, make sure your heart is right on this. But many people have this idea that, that they are supposed to give everything away. If God tells you to give everything away, then do that. But that's not what he said. And many times, that's not what he's telling other people. That's our logic trying to do that. Uh, now, the question is, are you willing to give it all away? That's a totally different question. 
And almost assuredly, there's times where the Lord will lead you to, if you start moving up in the VIP and the kingdom of God, there are times where God will say, give me everything. We've had that happen multiple times, and, and multiple times we've been obedient. But here's the thing, we'll give everything away, and then we can't stop it from coming in. It just keeps coming. Why? Because that's who God is. Can't stop it. And then he, then he says this. He says, give all to the poor. And you, he says, give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Who did he tell to follow him? Who did he say, come and follow me? There were people asking all the time. He'd say, no, you can't. Go, go away. This guy, he's asking him to be an apostle. We would have known him had he done the right thing. We would have known his name. He probably would have written books. He was a rich young ruler. It would not surprise me. It would not surprise me if this guy took the place of Judas as the treasurer. Very possible. What was Jesus offering this man? But did he see it? Or did he miss it? He missed it. Why? Why did he miss it? Lord, honor your your kids given today in Jesus' name. Lord, pour out a blessing so much that they won't be able to hold it. Lord, let it overflow in the name of Jesus. Your spirit's drawing on them. They're moving. Overflow them. Let 2023 truly be the year of glory. And Father, we're not done with 2022. Let the multiplied increase continue to come in from here to the end of the year like never before. Let it be supernatural. I call debt to be canceled, supernaturally canceled and fall off of your people so that we might have an abundance for every good work in Jesus' name. He says, he says, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. See, we look at this and we kind of put it in our idea, but he hadn't much property. I want you to see this. If you just had, let's say you had a couple of houses and Jesus said, I want you to sell them and then come and and be with me full time in ministry. How many people would do that? How many people are at the place in their heart and their mind to do that? It didn't say he had a couple of houses. It said he had much property. You're talking about him liquidating what looks like to be. I mean, if you got a couple of houses today, you're probably a millionaire status. This guy looks like he's 10, 20, 100 million status in today's dollars. And God just told him, liquidate it all. But see, his heart wasn't there. He, watch this. He was a good guy. Jesus loved him. He had done all these other things and knew he had done it well. He was a good and godly guy and missed the VIP status. And this is the thing. Many times we put our trust in what we think we know and don't realize how much more is available in God. We put our trust in, well, I've been pastoring for 14 years. Who cares? So I know more than the average person on the street. You think I've touched the surface of what God knows? 
No, we're just beginning. All of us in here, we're just scratching the surface. We're just coming out of kindergarten, maybe. We might be held back. We're just barely, like, there's so much in God. There's so much in God. There's so much stuff to do. There's so much anointing to pass out. You would think about just in the Old Testament without Jesus. They're glowing with the glory of God so much they had to put a, put a veil over his face. There's so much of the glory of God. They come into the church. The cloud, the Shekinah glory of God fills the temple and everybody knocked out. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. What does God have planned? What's he have planned for us? What's he have planned for you? What's he have planned for us? What's he have planned for you? Because both things are important. And he wants to bless you. He's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. 2 Peter 1, he's already granted to you everything pertaining to life and godliness. What does he have planned for you? I'm talking about your destiny today. But in order to attain your destiny, you can't think that you've arrived. You can't think, like right now, I'm just looking into it. Like for for me and for the church, oh Lord, what do you want to do? It's so much more than what we've ever even seen. So much more than what we've ever even seen. And we've seen some great stuff. But you're so big. See, the issue is, is that we don't really know him. We don't know his heights and his depths of his love and his power and what he wants to do. We don't know that stuff. God's looking for a people. Second Chronicles says it. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth to see whose heart is pure towards him, who knows him who's willing to do what he wants. They haven't misplaced their their trust in things and money. They haven't misplaced uh, their trust in the stuff that they hold. They haven't misplaced their trust in the years of study. No, he's so big. Can you see that, that God is getting us ready? He doesn't give messages like this without getting us ready. The devil sees it. He knows it. He's attacking. The devil sees it. He knows it. He's attacking He sees it, he knows it, he's attacking. But who cares? What can he do? Separate us from the love of God? No way! And if I'm connected to the love of God, there's a fire hose flow of the anointing of God. And I know where my source is. It's not in the stuff. It's not in the feel goods. My source is in heaven on the throne. On the throne. He went away sad because he had much property. Now watch this. And Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? Now why why is that? Because they misplaced their trust. This man had VIP status knocking on his door just waiting for him to sign the signature in the kingdom of God. And he completely missed it because his trust was in stuff. The the Pharisees, they could have been his disciples. 
but instead, instead they wanted to kill them. Why? Because their trust was in their knowledge and their study. Their trust was in it. You'll have people that'll come into the church so many times. You'll have people and they're like, I've been in a spirit-filled church for 20 years and I've seen the power of God. And I'm like, whoop-dee-doo, do you know how big God is? Like we've seen it too. That's not special around here. We're going higher. We're going higher. They're trying to, they're trying to sell. Why? Because they've misplaced their trust in what they've seen and what they know instead of putting their trust in God and God alone and not your experiences. He says how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. He said the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. He's not talking about it being hard to get into heaven. He's saying operating in the king's rule and operating in the king's domain and seeing the true riches of the kingdom. It's hard for them. Of course, we know if you're going to be that, you've got to be like a child, which means if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to have faith as a child. What that means is this, that I can't enter it with my logic. I've got to enter it as a kid who doesn't care. A kid that just goes, I know my dad. I know how big he is. I know my dad. He goes on, he says, he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished. Now they, they moved to fear because they're, they're misunderstanding what he's saying. He said, they look at him and said, who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people, it's impossible. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. In other words, what he's saying is, if you keep looking at what you have and what you're bringing to the table, it'll be impossible for you. You can't be a VIP with a misplaced source. But if you'll look at me and you'll put your faith on me, I'll cause you to do the impossible. Boomerang, God's wanting to cause you to do the impossible. He's wanting to cause you to, cause you to be a sign and a wonder. He, listen, he's wanting this group right here to rise up and rule over the whole finances of this whole area and region. Why? Because if your heart's right, you'll set the rule right. And it says when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. He wants all business coming through a people that know him and know what to do when they have stuff. They don't let power go to their head. They don't let money go to their head. No, they've set it at a very low level in a very little thing. You don't have control of me. You don't have control of me money. You don't have control of me wealth and riches. Power, you don't have control of me. I'll give it when I have little and I'll give it when I have much. God says, I can use that person. I can use that person. He said, with you by yourself, it's impossible. But with God. All things are possible. He says, now watch it, I like it, because Peter gets a hold of it. Peter's like, oh, oh, he's like, I heard something in that that means good stuff. He said, no, wait. He's like, he starts figuring it out. He, start, he picks up something by the Holy Ghost here, and his whole, just a second ago, they're like, who can be saved? Oh, God. You know, and now Peter's like, hold up. Like, I think you just released a promise in here. I think you just released a promise. And that's what many of you are seeing right in the, even in this message. The Holy Spirit's dealing on your heart. You're like, wait a minute. 
there's a promise being released here. You go give, but I'm not just that, all of this, this is a symbol of what God's doing in your heart. And he goes on, he says this. Peter began to say to him, he says, Behold. He said, Hey, Jesus, you know, King of kings and Lord of lords, look, we've already done some stuff. He's like, Wait a minute. This guy could have had it empowered by God if he would have said, Yes, I'll follow you. Peter goes, Ding, 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 ding. We've already said yes. You're already sitting here. You've already been sowing. You've already been there. Now, you would think that Jesus would be like, Peter, now be quiet. You're not supposed to have that stuff. Get that stuff out of your head. That's not what Jesus does at all. See, there's some doctrine we need to renew our mind to. That's not, what, that's not what Jesus does at all. Watch what Jesus says. So Peter began to say to him, Behold, we didn't just give you some stuff. We left everything. I do kind of think that Peter's kind of like, uh, Jesus, did you read the total amount on my offering envelope? Like, we gave it all. I think, I think, I think, we're, I think we're in line. He's like, let me just draw your attention, Jesus, to... Article number one. Would you take a witness of what's on our envelope? We give it all. Now watch this. Doesn't the Lord say in the Old Testament, remind him of his promises? That's actually what Peter's doing. Now maybe his heart's right, maybe it's not. I don't know. But Jesus doesn't rebuke him for that. He, he actually delights in the prosperity of his servant. He's actually, God is looking for people that see how good he is and will reach out with their faith and grab a hold of it. He's looking for people like that. That'll receive. Peter said, behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake. Now watch, here's two reasons we need to be moving. Not because we want to grow just only... But here's two major. For his sake, for the sake of Jesus, and for the sake of the good news. In other words, I'm doing this and I'm giving because Jesus wants me to, to do it. Or I'm setting my heart to advance the kingdom for the good news sake, to get the good news out there. See, when you sow into this ministry, this you know, most churches in America... Most churches in America, 100 people, less than two people saved a year. That means the good news got to less than two people a year. We had that last night in, in, on watching a movie. Like it wasn't even, like watching a movie at the drive-in, we had three people. We hit that marker last night. Just last night. What's the number up to right now? Huh? 878. 878 that you guys have led to the Lord. This is not a church wasting the money of God. You want to talk about a return on investment? Much higher. Much higher. You want to look for good ground when you're sowing. God's a businessman. God loves math. He likes math. You start to understand that he's... You look at the parable of the talents. Is he a good businessman or not? The one who don't have any, take it from him and give it to the one who knows what to do with it. He loves math. 
He, he understands increase in business. He's looking for fruitfulness. Is why this place is going to be blessed. You know, it might have challenged your flesh at some point. You might have listened to a message. You might have sat here for three hours listening to a message one day. But you'll have fruit. You put your flesh down, you'll have fruit. Why? Because we're a fruitful church. It's the culture of who we are. He says, look, he says, no one that's done these things for the gospel's sake. When we do the broadcast Monday through Friday, and we have these services take up an offer in all those days, every penny of that is going to an advancement of the gospel in some form or fashion. And we know what to do with it. We know how to do that. It's good ground in that way. And we want to make sure as a ministry, we stay good ground. We stay fruitful. Your lives are changing. You're seeing the multiplied increase. We want, we want you to be overflowing because, listen, if all the ministry just pours through me and Pastor Nicole, this is going to be an unfruitful place. But if all the ministry starts multiplying and every believer that's in here and all of you are carrying the true riches of the kingdom every time you go to Walmart, well, now we've changed the whole area. we changed the region. When you carry the true riches into your board meetings at your work, when you carry it into the offices that you will possess by winning elections, there's people in here that are going to win elections and carry the kingdom of God into that place. And His glory. There's people that are going to oversee these things because they know what to do. And abundance. He said, behold, we've left everything. He said, truly, there is no one who has left brothers or sister or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and the gospel's sake. That will receive, but he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and farms, stuff. He'll receive stuff on the earth. That's what Jesus just made the promise. Not in the sweet pine by, on the earth. Yeah. Now, in this present, when you give for the name of Jesus, for Jesus' sake, or for the gospel's sake, you should be in expectation and faith that I'm receiving now in this age. A harvest. That's what he's telling us. What his will is. Now he does say this. He says, but when you start receiving that stuff, you're going to receive persecution too. Don't be fooled. People aren't going to like it. Because people want your stuff. They don't like it when you have stuff. Because it may show that their system of doing it is wrong. If you're doing the right thing and you start getting stuff, then they might have to change something. And people don't want to change. They want to be right and they want to keep doing wrong in their flesh. So when you start getting stuff and you're doing it the right way, people are going to try and persecute you. They're going to talk about you. I can't tell you how many times we've been lied about and told about and all kinds of stuff over the years. Who cares? Who cares? Like, let them talk. I love what Brother Hagin said. Brother Hagin said this. He said, he, some guy came up to him. He said, did you know they're writing about you in the paper about what you're preaching? He said, huh? I've been criticized by experts. These little old spurts don't bother me. Don't worry when people talk wrong about you. Actually, it makes you more blessed if you just forgive them and move on. Let it go. Who cares? Who cares? They're going to call you weird. It's going to be foolish to the world. The Lord said that very... When you... When you listen. When the widow woman has one meal left, 
And the man of God shows up and says, cook the meal for me and not for you. (laughs) And she does that. That's going to be criticized. But it's going to be criticized up until the point she receives the harvest. When the other widow woman only has a jar of oil and the man of God shows up with a word from the Lord, one word can change your life, one word received can change your life forever, and I hope that that day for you is today. He shows up with one word that changes their family forever. Give me the oil. Go borrow some vessels. Give me the oil. She goes and borrows vessels. The oil supernaturally keeps flowing. She pays off all of the debt. Her children don't go into slavery, and she has enough to live on for the rest of her life. She probably got criticized for that. Well, who does she think she is? I mean, don't you just remember a few days ago, she just had a little bit of oil, and now she's something special. You know, like, who cares? Like, let them talk. Just be blessed and do right. And part of doing right is forget it, what they're saying. Forget about it. Who cares what they think about you? They're going to probably think wrong. Whoop-de-doo. Well, whoop-de-doo. Who cares? He says, you'll receive now in this time and persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. You'll receive now and in the age to come. He says, now watch this. This is the key. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So many who are last And servants will be the VIPs. But many people who think that they're VIPs will not even place in the competition. They'll be last. Now this is very interesting because if you turn back to Matthew chapter 19, you see this same story playing out. And if you look at the last two verses of it, it says... In verse 29 and 30, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or or mother or children or farms for my sakes will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, it's interesting. Okay, so what did we start with in this passage? And for anybody who's wondering where I'm at in the message, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. And who knows, we'll stop when God tells us to stop. But I believe I just have one more point. But that doesn't mean we're done. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you. You'll notice it started this, he started this message by saying there's only one good, and that's God. A man who could be first made himself last and made God first. Because he kept his priority and he didn't misplace his trust in his own goodness. He put his trust in God. And this is Jesus who had a right to do that. And so can you see the thread goes all the way through that. And he says, look, listen, it'll be impossible for you to do on your own. But if you'll do it my way, if you'll be a VIP, if you want to be a VIP in my kingdom, then you're going to have to do things differently from the word from the world, and you're probably going to see where my theology flips the world's thinking on its head, like Jesus not taking good for himself but giving it to the Father, like 
somebody selling everything that they have and coming and following me, but you don't know what transaction is happening spiritually. There's something more happening here. He missed it because he had misplaced trust. And what he's getting at, he's preaching a message here and using this gentleman and this whole scenario to say it. But it starts with don't misplace your trust and think you're something. Then it says don't think that you're first because you'll end up being last. But if you'll take on the position of a servant, you'll become a VIP. Now, But then I want you to go into chapter 20 and look at uh, verse 16. So all the way down to chapter 20 and verse 16, put that on the, on the board real quick, and look at what it says. So the last shall be first, and the first last. So has the message continued? In other words, we're not done yet. There's another part. Let's, let's look at chapter 20 and verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. See, he's answering the question of how, watch this, he's answering the question of how the rich young ruler would not have missed it. He's saying, he's answering the question of why he missed it and how we missed it. And the truth is, we've read the story a thousand times and we've missed the point. But he's answering it right here. It's the same thread. And he says, so the kingdom is like a landowner who went out early in the morning and to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for one denarius for the day, that's like one day's wages, he sent them into the vineyard. So in just a manner of speaking, he said, all right, you guys, all right, put your stuff down. Come on with me. Come on, come on, come on. Put your stuff down. Y'all come on, come on with me. And uh, come on, come on, come on with me. And I want y'all to come up here and... Come up here, and here's the field. Now, y'all come around, let everybody see your smiling faces. And he says, listen, if you'll work right here in this plot of land, if you'll look in the, work in this plot of land, I'm going to give you a day's wages. Amen? So let's just say a day's wage is $100. So you'll work for one day, and I'll give you $100. Do you agree to that? You agree to that? You agree to that? You agree? Okay, okay. All right, get to work. Amen. Glory to God. All right, so be working. Be working. <laughs> and he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about, about the third hour, and he saw others that were idle in the marketplace. And he said to those, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give to you. Does that sound fair? Okay, go into the vineyard. And so they went. And again, he went out. All right. Hey, y'all need to like, the vineyard's not quite that big yet. Be over here in one group. Let the vineyard be, be small enough that the camera can see you all. And they were working. So he told them, I'm going to give you 100 bucks a day, and they agreed, and he just told these newcomers, he said, I'm going to give you what's right. Okay? All right, good. And then, then he says this, and he went out, 
He went out at the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same thing. So at the sixth hour he went, hey, you want to work for me? I'll, I'll pay you what's right at the end of the day. Would y'all agree to that? Okay, go work. Yeah, go work. That was the sixth hour. Yeah, amen. Amen. And then he said, okay, all right, all right. Ninth hour. I said, I'm going to pay you what's right at the end of the day. Will you go work? Agree? Agree? Yeah, good. All right. Glory to God. They're all working. This is beautiful. Here, come over here. Come over here. So don't turn your back to the, all the people. That's just rude. Amen. Just come over here, Greg. Greg, right here. Like form a you. Yeah, amen. So they're working all throughout the day. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said, why have you been standing here idle all day? He said, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, what'd they say? Because no one's hired us. He said to them, will you go into the vineyard too? Awesome. Let's get a good shot of our vineyard workers, amen? Zoom it out, whatever, there you go. Wow, look at all of them working. Man, the landowner, he's got some finances, doesn't he? He's got, he's got some means. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages. Call the laborers and pay them their wages. So come here, foreman. Foreman. Come here. Amen. Now you're the foreman. So you call them and, and pay them their wages. So call them. Hey, workers. And when those that were hired... Now, now I want you to watch this. So now, okay. Go back, go back. All right, now. Who was my very first hire at the beginning of the day? Raise your hand. All right. Raise your hand if you were the first set of workers. All right. So I want y'all I want y'all to stay over here on this line right here and everybody else go over there. So here's your first hour workers right here. Pew, 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 pew. And they were promised $100 a day. And then all of a sudden it says this, he called the foreman, he said go pay him. The owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last. Beginning with the last. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Each one got $100. He's like, there's $100 to you and $100 to you. Everybody gets $100. Amen. So they came in last, they got paid first, and they got paid the same amount, they got paid the same amount that these guys were promised. And they came in at the 11th hour, speaking of which, look at that hour of those working. They worked from the third hour they got them, now they're at the, at the 11th hour, like they've been working. All right, some of y'all complain too much. I'm, I'm not joking. He says, when those hired first came, 
they said, oh man, he paid $100 to the people that came in at the 100th hour. What'd they start thinking? Ooh, we're going to get $200, $300 because he paid them $100. Whew. And then he came and he paid them $100. <laughs> when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more for each of them also, but each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled to the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. It's not fair. It's not right. Verse 13, but he answered and said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. You, he said, did you not agree with me for a denarius? Did you not agree with me for a denarius? He said, take what is yours and go. But if I wish to give the last man the same as you, is it not lawful, is it not okay for me to be a giver and bless them? Is it not lawful for me to do with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So, verse 20, or 16, the last shall be first and the first last. And see, this is, this is the way it looks in the kingdom of God because we've got the law and the prophets and you read Hebrews chapter 11 and many of them died by being sawn in two and stretched out by horses until they snapped. And yeah, lions fed to the lions. And here we are in this age that's somewhat civilized and we just get to walk in the glory. And yet, if we just zoom in to our little time period, we're like, well, I've been a Christian all my life and they just got here. Why is it okay for them to be blessed? Like, I mean, Hannah just showed up, at, what, a year ago? And now she's getting blessed? Now watch this. This is a misplaced trust in what we've done. This is a misplaced trust in what, how much we've studied. Well, I've been at church for 26 years. And these whippersnappers coming in here, they just grabbing up all the blessings and being healed and delivered. And, and well, I've been serving God for all this time. And what, what is it? And why would, they, why would they feel slighted? Why would they feel slighted? Because they're envious of the blessing and they think that they're blessed because of what they did. And it goes all the way back to what Jesus said that said, there's one good, and that's God. If I do something good, it comes from Him. If it's good, it comes from Him. He deserves the praise and the glory. If I had to work 12 hours to their one hour, Lord, I'll do it because I love you. 
Lord, I'll do it because I love you. I don't care. You know, it works like this. Well, we went to seminary and we've been to Bible school and we know all this stuff. And Lord, you're pouring out the glory on that person. Don't even hardly know where the book of Malachi is. And what are we putting our trust in? Us. Well, that, they're just kids on that broadcast. Why should I listen to them? Because God might be using them. They might be a worker in the 11th hour. They might not be the beginning worker hour, but they're still a worker. Listen to this. It's not about the first responders. I'm not talking about our firemen and police. I'm talking about the people that pick up the plow first in the kingdom of God. It's about the fruitful finishers. It's not about the first responders. It's about the fruitful finishers. And when you start to realize that, it doesn't matter what the cost is. It matters, am I being obedient to God today? Am I literally taking everything that I am and I'm giving it to Him? And I say, Lord, you're worth it. No matter what you ask of me, you are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth it. I don't care if they get the same thing. I don't care if they get more. I don't care if they get three million views on something. I only got a hundred yesterday or whatever it is. You know, who cares? Bless them, Lord. See, the heart of God is, I want them blessed, 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 I want all of them blessed, I want all of them blessed. And Lord, I'm just in your kingdom. I don't have to go to hell. I can spend eternity with you. You put me in the blessing. I have an inheritance on the inside of me. There's not just a one-time gift. It's an all-the-time flow. I'm not going to be just a first response. I'm going to be a fruitful finisher because I'm going to be a VIP in your kingdom. And maybe these guys had VIP status at the beginning. And maybe at the end of the day, it looked more like they did. Who cares? I'm in your kingdom. I love you. And the Lord has enough to go around and bless everyone. And if you'll take on that heart that says, look, I don't have to be first. I'll be last. I don't have to get paid everything. I'll be last. I don't care. Lord, it's just an honor to serve you and be with you. That's the kind of people God can bless. That's the kind of people that can become VIPs. Thank you, God. That's the kind of people that can become who God wants them to be. That's the kind of people that God's looking to use all the time. It's not about... see. The rich young ruler, what did he do? I've worked so hard, I don't want to give away my prize. I don't want to give away my prize for other people who need it. Misplaced trust. He started first. He'd been doing this for years, and Jesus didn't even correct him. He didn't say, you're lying about that, you didn't do that good. He said, he loved him. He loved him. He said, you've done all these things, but you lack one. In other words, he agreed. You've done this well. Many of us have been going to church all of our life, and you've done well. But there's more in God. 
There's a VIP status. There's an operation in the, in the full blessing of God. There's an operation in the true riches of the kingdom of God. And he's not just called the pastor to it. He's called every believer to come up to it. And what we have to see is there's a continuation of this. Lord, I don't have to have the title. I don't have to have the recognition. I don't have to just let me be used in your kingdom. I'll serve everybody. I'll give everything away. I don't care what it is. Just let me be used in your kingdom. I don't have to have stuff. You'll give it to me anyway. I know it's right for you to give me stuff. I know it's right for me to harvest it and receive it. But I don't have to live by it. I don't have to be overwhelmed by it. I don't have to be overcome by it. Lord, I just ask you, Lord, let me be a part of what you're doing. Whatever it takes. Many years ago, we were actually operating and uh, seeking ministry and going after ministry. And the Lord said this to me, we have been done wrong. And uh, we have been done wrong and accused of some things. And I was sitting at home having a pity party, just like these first line of workers, having a pity party. Lord, you know I've done right. You know I've done good. You know our heart was right in this thing. And they accused us of the worst. I've been working all day. And you blessed them. The one who's accusing me. God, like you've heard me say it before, I learned some things about his mercy. He's looking for any legal way to bless his people. That's who he is. I said, and, and we did it right. And I said this statement. I said, it's just not fair. Remember this line over here, what they were thinking? That's just not fair. It's just not fair. And God said this to me. How do you think my son felt? Because he actually did do everything right. And they sought to kill him. And I went, oh. Here's your knife back, thanks. I was like, oh. I was like, I don't have anything to say, do I? He said, not really. He said, because although you tried to do things right, you didn't get it all right, and uh, you got accused of some things that weren't right, but still, you didn't do everything right. He actually did everything right, and they killed him for it. I said, I can't say a word about it not being fair ever again, can I? Nope, can't. Then he asked me this question. He said, would you serve me if there was no reward? Would you serve me? If there was no reward, which meant you never have any recognition, you never have any reward like monetary payment, you never have anything. Would you serve me if there was no reward? I said, Lord, I know what I want to tell you right now, but I'm not sure that I can. Now think about this, because what he's asked me is, will you give to me for the rest of your life everything that you have and everything that you are and have no promise of any return? You'll never have a harvest. A harvest is a reward based off of the sowing, right? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There would be rewards based, based off of seeking him well. Would you serve me even if there was never any return? Do you realize your smiling faces is a reward in one, one way? It's like I could just stand up here preaching and there could be me and Nicole. Or 
I could look at you and have you, like if there's a hundred people sitting in here, that's somewhat of a reward, which means would you serve me even if you never had a big church? Would you serve me even if you never had a big ministry? Would you serve me and give to me even if you never got healing in your body? Would you serve me even if you always were poor? Would you serve me at all of these moments? Would you give to me everything that you are even if there was no reward? And I don't fully understand why God was asking me that question, but it's one of the best questions I've ever been asked in my life because what it caused me to do was really dig down into my heart and find out who I am. Why am I there? What am I doing? In Corinthians it says this, we do these things, we, we are motivated for the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels us. Does the love of Christ compel you today to go into Him with everything you have, even if there was no reward, even if you never got to have any pleasing of the flesh ever again? You know, what, would, you, would you serve Christ if all you got to eat for the rest of your life on the earth was just bread and water? No pizza, no lasagna, no Mexican, no whatever your favorite dish is. Obviously, you can see what I'm attached to. Would you serve them even if you had no steak, no nothing good you had no no pleasing of the flesh would you serve him he's not really necessarily sending you into that but the question is does it have you would you serve him even if he tells you to dump your bank account and sow it into the gospel or his name's sake would you serve him if it meant giving away the houses or the cars would you serve him no matter what it's an all in type thing would you serve him are you willing to be last so that in his eyes you can be first? I mean, who's going to get the reward? The person that's out in front of everybody all the time or the person that's not seen but in the eyes of God they're the one that was the catalyst in prayer for that revival that led people to the Lord. Who's the one? See, and in our eyes, we don't see that as important, but it can be very important. Would you serve him? Would you be all in no matter what, even if there was no reward? Obviously, God is a rewarder. That's who he is, so there'll be a reward, but is our heart where it needs to be on that? Willing to be last according to the flesh. And God can scan this crowd and he can, everybody can say, well, Pastor Brian's operating in so much, certainly he would be first of the group. Might surprise you. Maybe I'm not. I'm tasked with a role to lead as a pastor and to grow you. That doesn't mean I'm first in this crowd. First in this crowd could be a more pure heart than mine is. I try not to let anybody have that spot. I try to go into a purity of heart and stay there to be a good leader, to lead that more than anybody else. So if you want that title, I'm going to race you for it. We'll find out when we get to heaven. But the point is, you might not know who the first is. They might not ever be seen in this world. But in the eyes of God, they're first. The point is that all of us can go after that, to be a VIP in this kingdom. Lord, it doesn't matter about 
who I am or what I have or who I'm connected to. It matters that am I doing it right in your eyes. To be a VIP, it's got to have his approval. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beg you, put that up if you would, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beg you by the mercies of God, present your bodies, your lives, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, one translation of worship. King James says reasonable service. The New American says spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is renewed to the Word of God, so that you may prove the good, that the, prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, when we give ourselves not as a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice, Lord, I'm yours, I'm all in. I'm all in. You start to move to the place, and I want you to see it, where you're actually moving to the place where you are pleasing and acceptable in the eyes of God. That should be our goal. And when we get to that place, what happens through us will prove to the world that the will of God is good. God's looking for believers everywhere to give themselves as a living sacrifice, pleasing not in the world's eyes, not in the pastor's eyes, not in the life group leader's eyes, but pleasing in the eyes of God. That that person will be first in God's eyes because of how they're acting, how they're responding. And then you, every person that picks that up, will start to prove to the world, you should accept God's will because it's really good. It proves it to them. There's a little kid, Luke's in jiu-jitsu, and I was out there one day, and I had the motorcycle, the old old one, and uh, I was getting on the motorcycle. I had my jacket and everything. The little kid walks out of there. He's, he's about this high, and, and he goes, you look like you're rich. <laughs> Just a you know, pure heart kid. You, know. you look like you're rich. So what I tell him? God is so good. And in that moment, that kid might not really fully remember it, but his spirit man will. God's the blesser. God's the blesser. God wants you to have good things and big things to be a witness and a proof to the world that he's good. And his will is good. His will is perfect. And his will is acceptable. And maybe that young kid will grow up one day and he'll say, you know what? I can accept God. Because he likes to bless people. Like that guy that was riding that motorcycle one day. May never know my name. We need to walk in such a way that's pleasing in the eyes of God. God will give you stuff, but he doesn't want stuff to have us. And we don't need to misplace our trust in our stuff or our studying or how much schooling we went to or what the world thinks about us. Who cares? What does God think about us? So I just ask you this morning, if you're welcome to give your offering and stand on your feet if you would. Just hold, if you still have your envelope, lift it up. If you don't, just raise your hands. Just say, Lord, today, I give you me. I'm yours. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. 
You're the director. And I believe you died for me and God brought you back to life. And He made me right with you and gave me an inheritance to walk out. And from this day, Lord, let me be right in Your eyes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Just receive that. As you give your offering, you're welcome to bring it up at any moment. But as you give your offering, if you still have it to give, you can say, Lord, today as I give this, I give you me. This is just representative of me. Let your true riches flow into each person today, Lord, as they yield to you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can bring that forward. I want to invite you, if you need prayer today, you need healing in your body, specifically. You need healing in your body, healing in your finances, or you need to make a commitment to God on a different level, I invite you to come up. Or if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire, come up for prayer. And as I lay hands on you, you receive whatever it is that you need that anointing to do. Today is your day. You're not leaving here the same. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Whatever that, that thing is that you need, when I pray for you, you receive it. Because the name of Jesus is above every name. And it'll do the work that you need it to do. The name of Jesus is the authority signature to bring favor into your finances health into your body, power to be who God's called you to be. Thank you, Father, for an anointing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, help and help and wisdom be in the name of Jesus. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. I invite every person in here to pray this right now. Say, Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire so that I can be your witness in Jesus' name.